This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Mobile hunters, the king of comfort has arrived. Go to tetherednation.com and check out the new Lockdown Saddle. Over the past two years, Tethered has tested and refined a new approach to their saddle lineup. The Lockdown Saddle takes the best-in-class features from the Phantom, like the Utilibridge, Comfort Channels, and included an expandable saddle body with their Lockdown Link construction to take saddle hunting to the next level of comfort. As if this wasn't enough, they developed Lockdown Haulers, which has a slightly rigid internal frame structure, so you can easily unzip, zip, and access haulers with one hand. And if you're a guy like me with no junk in your trunk and have issues with your saddle staying put while you're walking in to hunt, the Lockdown Modular Yoke solves this problem. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old tree climbing veteran, go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting gear. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 353. Today, I'm joined by my good buddy, Johnny Utah Mulligan, to talk authenticity and new experiences. So stay tuned. up everyone happy wednesday to you hope you're doing well hope you are feeling fine i've wrapped up my last well i shouldn't say my last um obligation of the summer before fall hits but almost almost had uh, two birthday kind of shindigs for my daughter one was like a family deal and then this past weekend um i took her to the steelers and uh steelers 49ers home opener that was her birthday presents what she wanted to do so we spent the weekend together doing that and that is really the last kind of, um, I guess, domestic responsibility that I have, uh, so to speak. Now, I am going to miss the opener. My opener is on the 16th, so it's on a week uh, Saturday. Um, but we have a jiu-jitsu promotion, and so I'm kind of – I'm going to do the promotion day at the, at the gym, and then I think we're actually going to have a little soiree at the house uh, for some for the guys at the gym just to kind of come over and hang out because I'll be, be honest with you, I'll, I'll likely be dog shit tired after that. 
and not want to go hunt. Um, and so I'm going to try to get out during the week a little bit, which is probably better suited. I don't even know what the weather looks like at this point for that day, but it's, I'm probably better suited for that anyway. Um, just that, you know, opener, lots of folks want to get out and stuff like that. And everyone should. Um, but I will have the, uh, the timber to myself more so, you know, if I go out during the course of the week, um, I may be able to be able to put a game plan together for something. But as of right now, I don't have, I've been out glassing a few times, um, in the areas that I can glass. And again, it's not like the food is adjacent to the public that I'm hunting. It's just, it's near. And when I say near, it's within a few miles of, you know, where I would potentially be able to hunt and, um, you know, deer, <clears throat> may make their way back to this piece of public, like on the, on the edges of the public and so forth. So, um, I've been out glassing a few different times, uh, to just to see if there was something in the area that might be close to where I might be able to make a play. And I've not seen anything. There's, you know, one deer that I know of that I've seen, um, in velvet just via trail cameras that, um, uh, has me kind of stoked locally. Um, but you know, we'll see if he sticks around or not. Um, the area that he's kind of in, you know, I wouldn't make a play on him till later in the year anyway. Um, and then <clears throat> there might be one, maybe two others that are local that, uh, piqued my interest. Um, you know, we'll, um, we'll see. Um, they've not been, you know, on the recent camera pools, they've not been back around. Um, I know I have some, uh, some white oaks that are dropping in a few areas. So those are probably be the areas that I kind of focus on first before those all get kind of hoovered up. Um, but that's really kind of my plan locally. I think I'm, and then, you know, I'm just kind of chomping at the bit for the uh, North piece to open, which will happen with the statewide opener here, uh, later in the month. Um, and that's really where I think I'm going to focus a lot of my, uh, uh, a lot of my attention, but super stoked that it's, uh, that's right around the corner. I've not, I've not shot my bow in like two ish weeks. Um, trying to let the shoulder, um, chill out. It's getting better. The PT is working. Um, but it's still not where it, it needs to, uh, where it needs to be. So we're going to be patient with that. <clears throat> we'll fling some arrows this week and, you know, kind of stay on the regimen that I've been on to try to keep my, you know, quote unquote shit together as far as shooting goes. Um, and, uh, see how I feel as things kind of get close to, uh, as, as we, as we get into the, uh, into the timber and things, uh, things get kicked off. But with that, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. Have, uh, have a cool show for you guys today. Have my good buddy, Mr. Johnny Utah Mulligan on, um, been a little while since I've had him on, uh, schedules are usually kind of crazy trying to, um, connect with him to get him on the show. Uh, we talk a lot, text, phone calls and stuff like that, but it's usually like whenever one of us has like five, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is on a random day. Um, just cause he's traveling a lot. He's been all over, um, you know, hunting, uh, also doing some other things, not, not just, you know, work related, but, uh, well, somewhat work related, but, um, you know, one of the things that we talk about in, in this is some of the new endeavors that he's kind of jumping into. Um, and this is what I love about all my friends usually, um, typically is that we all kind of embrace the, the suck in doing something hard. Um, and knowing that we might walk into it in the first time we're going to go in, you know, and get our eyes opened and it's going to be challenging and we may not do exactly as well as we would like to do, but we're going to learn something from it and be able to build on it. And that's exactly what, you know, John and I kind of talk about, uh, and some of the new stuff that he's been doing. Uh, really related to his background in firearms and, um, you know, his former undercover narco cop, uh, role that he had before kind of leaving, leaving the force. And so he did some tactical game stuff, which is a lot of like, I, I kind of refer to it as like the CrossFit shooting, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of physical activity and, and shooting for accuracy and time and things of that nature. And then the thing I was maybe most stoked about, uh, was the fact that he recently started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's wanted to do it for a while. He's had some friends who have done it, um, 
forget his first name, but Silvio was his last his last name. Uh, fought in the UFC. Um, he's a buddy of John's. And so John's wanted to get into it for a while. He just didn't have a place to go. And he finally found, uh, has a gym that actually is close to him with some good guys, a uh, good coach, a uh, good instructor. Um, and uh, and so he's been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And so we kind of talk a little bit about that and his experience um, walking into that. But it's the bug has fully bit him. And I'm super stoked uh, for him to be um, enjoying that new addition to his life. And then, of course, we talk about hunting. He's been on a couple of different trips, you know, since we spoke last uh, and so we go over some of the stuff that he's uh, experienced with that tags he's filled tags he's not uh, and things of that nature so without further ado we're going to just go ahead and jump into today's show and as always thank you all for listening all right folks welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast and uh, the fellow's face if you're watching the video the fellow's face on the other side you'll recognize it you'll also recognize the dulcet tones of one johnny utah rattler mulligan look at that what's up <laughs> what's going on Truth from What's the Stand on, Nation. It's been forever since I've been on here, man. I know, dude. It's like, I'm trying to think. I usually go back and look and see like the last time that you were on just to kind of try to remember like what we talked about, what we haven't talked about, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. And good Lord, man, I want to say it's probably going on close to a year. I know. Yeah, it's been a really long time. I mean, we talk, you know, yeah. via text and usually when one of us is on a long road trip, you know. But right. um, yeah, it's been a while since I've been on this format. But I was going to tell you, when I was at the Pennsylvania uh, Total Archery Challenge this year, I mean, I had a couple of people that stopped by the Under Armour booth and they came by and they're like, hey, I know you. I, I listened to the Truth from the Stand podcast, you know? <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, so the Truth Nation tracking you down wherever, it's like a... It's like, a, it's like a bad virus you can't shake, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was cool, and I and I, I meant to tell you that, and, you know, amongst the travel, you know, kind of forgot yeah. about it. But, I mean, you know, like with you, with the podcast, and then me with the show, um, you, you bump into somebody that's familiar. There's, I mean, let's face it, as much as we think we know where tracking is we don't you know like right and i'm always they're like hey man i watched the show i'm like where do you watch it on waypoint <laughs> yeah. do you watch it on youtube did you watch it on instagram <laughs> right. like you know right. you're just i'm always like that's my grassroots tracking you know what i mean i'm trying right. to gather my own analytics right right or i'll get one of those like hey are you uh oh so the the best was um at jujitsu actually there's a guy uh, buddy of mine, shout out to, to Darren that I, uh, trained jujitsu mm -hmm. with. He's like, he's roughly our age, purple belt, mm -hmm. really good, really good dude. Um, and we were just standing talking one day. It, I was very, very new to the gym at that point. And, um, we we're just kind of shooting the shit. And, um, yep. he said something to me and then I think I mentioned something about hunting and we were talking, he's like, Oh, I hunt. And we were kind of talking for a second. And I started talking to somebody else and it wasn't that he recognized my face. So he recognized my voice and he goes, Hey, are you, he's like, he put two and two together, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, are you, Yeah. you got that podcast, you know? And it was kind of, it was kind of funny. I was like, I was like, Oh hell no. I, F that guy. I was like, I ain't that guy. No. Yeah. He's like, you got a, you have a, you have a voice for TV. Oh, uh, what? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Voice for TV and a face for radio. Exactly. So works yeah. Out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. So what's going on, man? Like, so I, let's start at the top here, dude, because otherwise I want to get lost. Cause you had all kinds of shit going on like the past just call it even like six months, if you if you will. So, yeah. and we're going to get into a couple things here, but the first thing I want to cover off on is that you and I were talking. So, folks that listen to this know that I competed in a tournament like a while ago. But around the same time, you and I were, as you were saying before, we text. Even if you're not on the show, it's like we're texting, we're talking every so often, and stuff like that. And so, 
Well, I had that going on and was getting ready for that. You were also at the same time getting ready for a competition as you were doing your first tactical games, which yeah, is yeah. crazy to me because I don't know a whole lot about it. I know one other dude that does that stuff. He's actually my barber actually does it. Um, he's, he's super into it. And so uh, I knew a little bit about it just from him talking about it. But I was stoked to watch you go compete as an old guy, as a fellow old guy. You know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah. it's always nice whenever you have a fellow old guy throwing the hat in the ring to, to you know to get some uh to get some of that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh and I and I got some, uh, for sure. But um <laughs> Yeah, so Under Armour recently became the title sponsor of the Tactical Games. And um when I was in Vegas at Shot Show back in what January or whatever, um that's when I had never even heard of the tactical games. I didn't, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about it. So they were like, Hey, you know, with your career background, uh, with firearms, uh, obviously, you know, you like to stay in shape and work out. Um, have you ever, would you consider doing it? I'm like, uh, you know, w- what is it? I'm like, it, it sounds like it's a lot of CrossFit. And in the words of, um, Derry, uh, from Letterkenny, you know, they can CrossFit the fuck off. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was like, no, man. I was like, I, I CrossFit's not my thing. And for years, I've always said, oh, I work out, I stay in shape. But if I'm being honest, my style of workout is more comparable to more bodybuilding style workout. Right. You know, I, I want to, it's maybe bodybuilding slash powerlifting is kind of more my style. But um, anyways... I do some cardio to get in shape for mountain hunts and elevated hunts, but not that type of stuff. That's on a whole nother level. Those guys are yeah. serious, right? But uh, anyways, I, time time passed, and I thought about it more and more, and I thought, man, this could be kind of cool because it gives me a good excuse to get back into what I call firearm shape. And since right. I left my career in law enforcement, I kind of – you know, put the guns away and, and hadn't shot a lot of pistol and AR-15 stuff. And I thought, man, this could give me a reason to get schooled up again. And and the big picture is I want to support Under Armour in their endeavors. Um, and then the third element was, as we know, in hunting, a lot of these companies are kicking the dead horse. Everybody's trying to target the same damn eyeballs. And mm. in the tactical games, it's no different. They're targeting... CrossFit and they're targeting tactical and gun people, right? right? But they're not trying to pitch it to the hunting world. And and obviously both of our um, followings that we've built have mostly been built around bow hunting, you know, more so than anything. So I thought this could be pretty cool because my audience is probably going to see a lot of this for the first time ever. And it might stand out. And, it, and, it, and like I said, it might really help Under Armour. So I agreed to do it. Uh, did not get to train as much as I wanted to, but I also thought, man, old man muscle goes a long way. And if I'm hey. really proficient with the firearms, you know, I'm a strong dude. Like what could go right. wrong? Um, <laughs> famous last words. <laughs> exactly. The problem was I hosted that big dirt track race for my dad in Kentucky the day before it's like 96 degrees full sun I'm chugging water all day long and never went to the bathroom. First, first uh, clue that I might be in trouble. I had right. to drive through the night, which I didn't drive. Um, you know, one of my best friends and camera girl, Leslie, she drove my truck and I tried to sleep the best I could uh, through the night 
but we drove from central Kentucky all the way to Searsboro, Iowa. She got me there three minutes before registration closed. And I, and she's oh. like, where do I park? And I go, do you see the desk uh, registration desk? She's like, I do, but I don't think I can drive there. I'm like, this truck is wrapped in Under Armour camo. Fucking drive through the parking lot and drop me off at the desk. <laughs> I'm like, nobody's going to say anything to you. She pulled right. up. I bail out of the right side, ran 20 foot, and they have to check the weight of your uh, of your vest, and they got to mm-hmm. check your pistol and, and AR-15 and your ammo and that kind of stuff. So did a two-day competition. You don't know what the events are. Like, you know what style it's going to be, but you don't know the exact events. Um, basically somebody I'm convinced they think what is, what would be the most painful thing to do to your body for a 20 minute event? And how can we throw some shooting in there? Oh, that's a great idea. This will be fun. <laughs> and that's what we did. And right. And, and right out of the gate, the first event was a 5k with wearing oh. 25 pounds of gear. And I hadn't slept yeah. in two days. And I'm dehydrated and I hadn't eaten anything. And about halfway through the run, hamstrings, calves, everything just starts, you know, balling up. And I was like, this is going to be a long two days. Yeah, boy. That's uh, but you made it through, man. That's all that that matters, man. Because sometimes like the way the way I kind of look at some stuff, man, is like, you know, look, we like to compete. You know what I mean? Like Mm-hmm. I'm not telling any tales out of school. Like we, you know, both mm-hmm. of us and our, just our group of friends in general, like we're not highly competitive to like the, uh, to the point of like ruining friendships, but we all like to compete. We all like to see how good we can sure. do. We'll try to, mm-hmm. you know, push ourselves to, you know, as far as we possibly can. Yeah. But we're also in that phase of life where we're chasing experiences to a degree, you know what I mean? Of like, you know, cause yeah. what you said very early was like, this might be kind of cool. You know, I've never done one of these. Let's, let's yeah. check it out. You know what I mean? Like, that to me, just finishing, you know, and having the experience is, is kind of a win in, in itself. And that's kind of how I've looked at jujitsu for the most part, especially like the first like tournament or whatever. It was just like, I have no clue what's going to happen. I've never, I mean, I've grappled before, right? Like I wrestled all growing up. So I'm like, I kind of know like a competitive setting and a tournament setting, but I never, I mean, I haven't done it in 20 plus years, you know what I mean? 25 years. And this is completely different. So I don't know what this is going to be like. You know what I mean? But what the hell? Let's check it out. You know? Yep. And that, I think, goes a long way in just in anything, really. You know what I mean? Like that just willingness to be like, hey, not sure how this is going to turn out, but, man, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and just see what uh, see what shakes, and I'll learn something. Yeah. Well, what is that What is that saying? To do what you've never done uh, or to, to go places you've never been, you have to do things you've never done or – you know, something right. like yeah. that. I, I probably something just real butchered poetic. it. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm sure the original like writer of that is like, you know, right. um, but it's something like that. So everybody understands the point I'm trying to make. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, I, I'm competitive. Uh, and, and I look at all of my buddies that I hang out with and talk to frequently. Everybody's kind of competitive. And that's where we've all gotten to where we've gotten to whatever small success or big success that we have it's that idea of sometimes just being competitive with yourself. Yeah. And so that goes a long way um, with common personalities. Right. And, and, you know, I'm a big fan of the adage of if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Mm -hmm. So I went in there knowing 
that I was going to get my ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Now, I also went in there knowing that if it's a bench press competition, I could hold my own. <laughs> right. Um, but that's a that's that's not what that event is, you know. That's a that's a different style deal. So, I mean, um, it was fun. I learned a lot. I know what I need to work on. Uh, cardio is a cardio. big one. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a big one. And it's um, what do they call it? Um, it's not aerobic. Uh, what is the name of that? It's like a type of cardio. Um, an, an, anaerobic. An, anaerobic. Or, yeah, they're yeah. anaerobic. But I, I'm I'm a, I'm an idiot when it comes to that stuff. So I don't even know what anaerobic is. I'll be honest. So, just going for a jog, mm-hmm. um, it's not that type of cardio. It's oh, it's the sprint like cycles. Yes, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's grab a hundred pound bag and pick it up, and then let's go sprint, do hundred meter sprints right. repeatedly, <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> for twenty minutes. Let's see how many you could do. I remember one of the events, they have judges that are walking around making sure nobody's getting hurt. And they're also counting, you know, and um, there was a judge next to me. And I said, you know, how much, how much time is on the clock judge? And he's like 17 minutes. And I was like, we're at the 17 minute mark. And he's like, no, 17 minutes to go. And I'm like, (laughs) you guys have lost your damn mind. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm about to have a heart attack and I'm not exaggerating. And I was like, at one point I went, I had that Dolph Lundgren moment. If he dies, he dies. You know, I'm like, screw it. I was like, at least I'm doing something cool. But, you know, like I said, I went, I went into the event knowing that I was going to get my ass handed to me, but I was willing to do it. It was something new. I knew I would learn some new stuff. It gave me a reason to train. I got to support Under Armour. I made a great, ep- what I think was a kind of a cool episode that was very authentic. Mm-hmm. In the episode, I'm like, damn, I got my ass kicked. Right. In full right. transparency. Like, I wasn't trying to be like, I mean, I could have done better, but I felt sorry for these people. You know what I mean? Like, right. no, I got my ass kicked. Yeah. They were telling me that they consume 14,000 calories a day Whoa. when they compete. And I'm thinking it's 96 degrees. We're running. We're doing rope climbs. We're doing jerry can carries. We're doing sprints. There was one event where you take a 135 pound bar over your head, and you just walk it for 100 yards. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, and so I was like, man, if I eat a bunch of food, I'm gonna throw up. Yeah, and that's what I, I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy that pukes on the course with everybody watching, you know? So I like starved myself. Like I was at a bodybuilding competition and then I'm watching these people in the evenings and they've got 10 by 10 canopies with like fucking hot plates and they're eating like donuts and chugging beers and hot dogs and Snickers bars. And I'm like, what are you all doing? They're like, it's calories, bro. Like just getting calories in. So, You know, there's a, like I said, there's a lot to learn. I want to do another one because I do want to perform better. Um, But I'm going to have to wait till after the hunting season's over where I can take this shit serious. But at least now I know how to train. You know, I've seen the competition. Um, Think about the first time we went out West on a hunt. We got our asses handed to us, but the second Mm -hmm. year, at least we knew what to expect. We might right. not have had a better outcome, <laughs> but at right. least it didn't suck as bad because we had we had had our ass handed to us once before, and it's like ah, right. lose. I'm used to that, you know. 
So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, man, it sounds like the beginning of my deer season. So I knew I was going to get my ass kicked. <laughs> like, yeah, like I can right. start every se- I can start every deer season like with that same statement. You yeah. Know? It's yeah. Like, but uh, no, that's cool, man. It's um, it's always like you were saying, you know, you know, now a little bit better of what what to do, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that eating thing like people. So I can just just from my recent, you know, past and just in the in the very first tournament I did, like I wasn't sure how to eat. So I didn't eat anything either because it's the same thing. I was like, I just didn't want to have stomach cramps. I didn't want that to be an issue. You know, didn't want or, to or give the feel sluggish. Or give the verbal tap. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm about to poop myself and you get off me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you know, I, I kind of did the same thing and then I was just out of gas like very quickly. And so like mm-hmm. the second time around, I kind of, I also knew a little bit better how to, how to train and get ready too. you know what I mean? And so then the next time around, you know, double gold, like had an awesome tournament, you know, my eating was correct. Like everything was good. And so the second time around, I have no doubt, you know, will be better, especially if you have a chance to actually like know what you're training for, like specific events and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It'll go a long ways. And I found some problems with some of my gear. Um, Mm -hmm. I had an AR 15 that at the last minute, uh, I switched out my trigger, uh, and I, I put a, a low mass bolt carrier, you know, it's all it, basically like I'm trying to reduce, reduce cycling weight to minimize mm-hmm. recoil. Cause you can't use, um, you can't use like a, uh, a muzzle brake that reduces recoil. So okay. you can only kind of do things internally. So I was trying to decrease some weight which meant I had to make some gas block adjustments. And then um, I had a, I think I had a faulty gas block. So I had a bunch of misfeeds on the course. And so, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a shit show uh, in, in right. all in all, but I had fun. I didn't quit. I didn't finish dead last. Um, they made me, right. they, uh, they wouldn't let me compete in the beginner um, category. They let me, made me compete in a tactical category. And there were some heavy hitters. There were some there were some badass dudes in there. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm telling y'all right now, I do this again. I'm starting at. I'm going to the intermediate class because I'm a damn beginner. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Right. I'm forty. Right. I'm forty five exactly. years old. You know what I mean? I'm an old man. <laughs> exactly. Well, speaking Out there of running around 45. with a bunch of young jitterbugs. I know, right? I know. Well, speaking of running around with a bunch of young jitterbugs, dude. So you went like one of the things I'm most stoked on is that. So as you were getting ready for that, and I was getting ready for that, uh, the most recent tournament, we were kind of talking back and forth and stuff like that. Yeah. And then you texted me out of the blue one day. Like we hadn't talked in, it wasn't a super long time, but it was, maybe it was like a month or something like went by yeah. or something like that where we hadn't like really talked. And I just get a text message from you. I don't remember if it was a picture of you and a gi or if you just sent me, if you just sent me like words like that you started. Yeah. yeah. But I literally smiled from ear to ear and my wife was like, what's yeah. so funny? I was like, I was like, not funny. I was like, I was like, I'm stoked. It's like, John just started doing jujitsu and she's like, no yeah. way. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, it's cause I'm on like a, I'm hell bent on trying to get all my good buddies to do it. Cause I just think it's yeah. that valuable. And I think it's cool. It that you added it because like for the tactical game stuff, like that cardio aspect of things, I mean, you'll have to do mm-hmm. things specific to the events and stuff like that. Cause it's, you know, and when yeah. you do things specific, it all obviously helps you per- perform better in specific, you know, elements. But Jiu-jitsu just from like a cardio movement standpoint is going to be awesome. And I'm just curious, man, how, how has the first kind of like introduction to jujitsu been so far? It's been, it's been really good. You know, in my, in my law enforcement career, 
Um, we did a decent amount. Uh, we, we had a lot of DT stuff that we did um, for, for that level. You know what I mean? The problem that I had at the time was I was a little hesitant and was a little more vocal with some of the newer guys because you get a guy that goes to a, a jiu-jitsu class and it's a one-day class and then the next night out on the road he's like you know what i think i'm gonna i'm gonna rip a kimura on this guy if if this arrestee bucks up or whatever and i'm like right you sure about that because <laughs> you, sure? <laughs> you might actually just give him your arm and he might arm bar or break your arm or whatever you know what i mean i was like mm-hmm. i don't know that i'd be going for an americana on the suspect that's injecting you know heroin and you know meth into his body he might just he, <laughs> right. he might just bite your face you know while you're trying to pull an americana right. or something so right. that part was kind of comical to me um but it serves a good purpose and i do think that law enforcement mm-hmm. there should be a lot more jujitsu in law enforcement yeah uh, i think the optics looks a lot better than just a traditional chokehold you know what i mean yeah and with everybody yeah. filming everything nowadays i think that would be super important but um so you know, I had been looking, you know, I'm good friends with Corey Anderson over at Bellator mm-hmm. and, and good friends with Tim Sylvia, you know, former UFC champ. And I've been a big fan of UFC and, and mixed martial arts for a long time and was looking when I got to Iowa. I'm like, man, there's a lot of badasses that have come out of Iowa and Illinois, you know, Militich mm-hmm. and uh, Matt yep. Hughes and Tim Sylvia and all these guys. So. Anyways, I was looking for a place, and even Tim Sylvia had been helping me look for a place for years, and he's like, man, the closest place I can find is like an hour and a half, two hours away. I'm like, well, I can't, you know, that's just not feasible. I can't do that. So I bumped into a guy at a hardware store, and he's the owner and head coach of a gym here locally, and um, nonetheless, I said, I'll be there Monday, and he's like, yeah, yeah, right. Right, And I walked through the door Monday, and he's like, holy shit, like... Step one, you got to walk through the door the first time, you know, and That's and it. you remember what that first day was like, you know, you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know shit about fuck, um, yeah. but I'm here to learn. And, yeah. and that was my mindset from day one is I said, look, I'm here for cardio. I'm here for flexibility. I'm here for the chess match, the mental side of it that I think it's going to bring. Um, and he's like, super, super cool. Like everybody has their own reasons why they want to yep. do this. And uh, it's cool that you know your reason, and it, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And it started out, I was like, maybe I'll go one night a week, and then mm-hmm. it turned into four nights a week. Yeah. And, <laughs> That's what um, happens, man. <laughs> yep. And then, like, you know, there's now there's weekend classes, there's morning classes. So now I'm starting mm-hmm. to lay out my schedule where I'm like, when I'm in town, I can actually go to the gym and then immediately head over to jujitsu and roll on the mats for an hour and then come home. And, right. but, um, yeah, man, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm in it. I love it. It's, it's been a ton yeah. of fun. Um, it's very humbling. Uh, yes. but I've, n- I haven't posted anything on social media about it. And for yeah. me, um, my whole life feels like it's on social media and mm-hmm. everything's a promotion. It seems like, and it's really not, I'm just really sharing my life and my story about what I do. I'm really not as promotional as what it looks, but I'm a busy person, you know? And so are you. And, but this, this has been a journey for me. That's for me right now. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to put anything out there. 
I'm not saying that I won't, and I'm sure I will at some point, but um, I'm having a lot of fun just, you know, like yourself. So the only people that know that I do it is my camera girl, Leslie, yourself, um, Tim Sylvia, Corey Anderson, uh, obviously, you know, uh, people that I go to the gym with class, you know, that are, that are uh, also going to the same gym. Um, and then one of the guys, excuse me, one of the, whoever runs the social media of level black. Um, right. So I use a lot of their apparel and stuff, but as well, but yeah, so that's, that's it. And, and that, that part has been kind of fun, you know? Right. That's the, uh, that's the key, man is like, you know, I post about it once, once in a while, but it's usually never like just something of, and except for like a tournament. Like if I do that and I win, you know, sure. if I don't win, it's like, I'll post that. Oh, shit. absolutely. But, that's a huge, you know, that's a, those are huge accomplishments. You know, those, those are milestone those are, moments. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 You know, when I got my first stripe promotion, you know, like that was yeah. a milestone for me and like the post, you know, I didn't, well, I wasn't even in it. It was just literally the picture of the belt with two pieces of tape on it because that to me was like, um, it was like a watershed moment a little bit. Cause I'd wanted to do jujitsu for so long, like, cause I grew up wrestling and mm-hmm. just to your point, it just never matched up like schedules. I just couldn't make it work. So I was working in the city. And if I took classes in the city for the longest time, it's like, I'd have to be on the train schedule. And it's like, I wouldn't get home to like 10 or 11 o'clock every night, like after class. And yeah. And then if I tried to do it here, it's like, I'd miss too many classes. Cause I could never make sure that I could get the right train home to be home in time to get to a class. Like, and so just, I wasn't going to be able to be consistent. And I finally could do it. And, but I wasn't sure if I was going to ever be any good at it at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those things and like getting mm-hmm. that first, like two stripes was less about like me learning things. It was yeah. more in a, like you step back for a second and then you appreciate like the only reason I was able to like learn this stuff is because all these guys and girls that are in this gym, let me practice on them. Like they give me access to their body and trust that I'm not going to hurt them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I can learn yeah. to do these things, you know? It's, and that to right. me is the, yeah, that was the thing that hit me was more like, it was more gratitude. Cause I was like, man, like if you just walked up to a group of people and said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to choke you out repeatedly for the next hour. <laughs> yeah. Are you cool? Are you cool with that? You know what I mean? Like we're going to yeah. drill, a, you know, I'm going to drill a choke, but I'm going to choke you out. You're going to go home with a sore throat or a sore neck. Cause I don't know hundred percent what I'm doing yet. So it's probably going to be sore a little bit. Cause I'm going to do it wrong a bunch. You know what I yeah. mean? Like people be like, you're crazy. But yeah. in that place, people are like, I got you, bro. You know what I mean? In here, let me show you how to do this a little bit better. You know what I mean? Let me yeah. help you out, you know? And that's the coolest, that's the coolest part about it. The other part I was stoked about whenever you started was that you already texted me. It's like, dude, I already talked to the gym. I told him I got a buddy who's going to be coming in probably next year to hunt. He's going to yeah. be here for a little while. He's yeah. going to drop in and take some classes. I was like, hell yeah. Cause that was already planned, homie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and like, and you pick that stuff up from the beginning. I mean, yeah, we, you know, you meet some random strangers at the bow shop and, you know, you chit chat like, Oh, what bow are you shooting? Oh, you, you know, did you have a good season last year? And let's face right. it, that's about it. But that's one of the things that I noticed is the kind of the community around that is very similar to kind of that CrossFit community too. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm going to lay on my back and I, I'm, I'm going to get, so I'm going to get in half guard. So that means one of my legs is going in between your crotch and my knee's going to be up on your <laughs> right. chest. Okay. Now <laughs> lean into me. You know what I mean? And right. Right. Let's get in, Let's get intimate, you know, and right. people. Yeah. I mean, like you said, who, who lets people, you know, wrench on their neck? Cause 
if or it's a choke, whatever that, it is, yeah, yeah. If it's a choke that's not sunk in, it becomes a crank, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. are you are you tapping yet? Am I? Nope, that's more of a crank. Okay, let me sink it a little bit deeper here. You know, um, right. let me get this seatbelt hold on here. Yeah, now we're talking. Right. Who lets you yeah. do that? That's crazy as shit. You know. So yeah. uh, everybody in class has been super cool. Um, I did learn. Uh, not to sound like a diva, but I did learn within the first couple of weeks that I don't roll with white belts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I ain't trying to get hurt. I'm not trying yes. to have some spastic, you know, person crank yeah. on me. So I only roll, roll with blue purples, you know, stuff like that yeah. mostly. And, and you had even commented on that before, like, Hey, <laughs> this might be something you want to do because of these reasons. And they're a more skilled yeah. person. And and I found the higher you go in belts, the more willing they are to teach. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, at least, you know, if you're in your twenties and you're just giving it hell and doing your thing, like, you know, do, do whatever you want to do. But as a dude who's 44, you know, when I started, I was 44 and now I'm 45, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have to look at it and go, like I watch people before I roll with them. Like if someone, mm-hmm. like I've, you know, if new people come up and ask me to roll. It's like if I've never seen them roll, or I've never seen them roll with like a friend of, like someone who I know and I roll a lot with and trust or whatever. Then yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be the first one. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, there's a couple newer people, you know, at the at the at the gym, and they're all coming along great. You know, and I hope they stick around for. Yeah. You know, and get their black belts. You know what I mean? I hope they're there for 10, yeah. 15 years, and you know, and do all the stuff they want to do. And, uh, I've had a few of them ask me to roll and I was just like, oh, I'm good, man. You know? And then, but I've watched a couple of them like, and, and, and since then I've watched them kind of start to like calm down a little bit, you know what I mean? And, and not freak out all the time. And, and then recently a couple of them I started rolling with, you know what I mean? Cause I'm like, all right, he, he's no, he knows enough now that like whenever he's in a bad spot to just not freak out, you know? Cause what I started doing too is like, what if I have him in a spot where he's like kind of stuck, I'll talk to him and be like, Hey, you know, he, like try this once, put your hand here, you know what I mean? And try to walk him through like, Hey, when I get here, this is what I do. You know what I mean? Or here, yeah. here are a few yeah. things that really have helped me and give him mm-hmm. some tools to kind of use in that spot as opposed to just like letting it up for him to try to figure out on his own and flailing. And then I end up getting hurt or whatever. So I'd rather tell him what the answer is, <laughs> you know, or one of yeah. the answers yeah. and let him use yeah. that as opposed to, you know, as opposed to grinding on him because he's not going to, it's, it's, it's such a cool sport because it's the one place where it's like you, you literally create your own training partner. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, and that's the one yeah. thing I've always kind of, you know, why I've always kind of looked up to like a lot of the upper belts in our gym because they spend time with me and it's in their benefit mm-hmm. because I get better, which means it makes them better because I'm, I become tougher. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's just a cool, and that's, cool, cool that's the thing I've noticed too. Like um, one of our coaches, you know, he's made some comments recently. He's like, dude, you're, you're really making strides like every mm-hmm every gym session I'm noticing a difference, you know, and what I try to do is I try to roll with him like once every other, you know, class. Mm -hmm. Um, and we get done and of course I tapped or, you know, or (laughs) he took it easy on me and we just went the full five minutes and I accomplished nothing. But, um, you know, he's like, I I immediately, I'm like, mouthpiece out and i'm like am i getting any better and he's like yeah dude you're getting a ton better you know because i'm like okay i was like just making sure because i feel like i'm still an idiot but uh the most common thing that i've heard is whether it's other white belts that i've rolled with or 
you know, blues, purples, whatever. And they're just like, dude, you are so damn strong. Mm -hmm. It's a shame you have no idea what you're doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's I'm like, shame. oh, well, yeah. Uh, uh, but one of, the, one of the coaches, he did give me a compliment. He told me the other day, he said, when you get this figured out, and it'll click one day, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but he's like, when you get this figured out, like, you're going to be a problem because you have, mm -hmm. you, you're very big, broad-shouldered, big, you know, big arms, big shoulders, and you have a smaller torso, small waist. He's like, you kind of have the quintessential build of that, like John Jones, Gordon Ryan type, you know. And he's like, right. you're going to be a pro He's like, you'll be a problem. Just promise me you're going to stick with this. And I'm like, as long as my joints are holding up and I'm not getting too injured, right. you know. Right. Yeah. That's always the thing, my, man. It's like. But my wife gives me shit every night. I come home. She's like, how was it? I'm like, I'm a little, uh, right leg hurts a little bit. And she's like, you're too <laughs> fucking old for this. She's like, seriously, right. stop. She's like, stop. Yeah. You're 45 years old. I'm like, damn, you're trying to put, check me into the nursing home. I'm like, come on. I know, right? Know? I know. Megan always gives, she doesn't always give me grief, but she's just like, you know, she, she's more of the mind of, she's like, you need to like chill out. Cause we, we, you and I are a lot the same way where it's like, we don't have like a slow button. It's like, I'm all no. in or I'm all out. That's kind of how, right. how it happens. You know, I'm so and, uh, addictive personality, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, I'm usually like right now I'm five days a week. Like that's how often I'm at, Jesus I'm at Christ. Gym, you know, yeah. I wouldn't be and, able to uh, walk. <laughs> and well, I'm getting there. Cause it's like, I got a, a sprained AC joint in my shoulder, which is why I haven't been able to really shoot my bow. You know, it's, uh -huh. like, it's getting better, but it's, it's all jacked up. And then this week it's like, I broke a toe on like Thursday. I just walked off the mat, taped it up, went back in, finished rolling for like an hour. And then Friday I, I go in, got my feet taped up. Cause I got the broken, broken toe. And I slipped trying to do this rolling, like stuck my, and uh, stuck my thumb in the mat, dislocated my thumb on my right hand. I mean, it's one I've dislocated a bunch in the past. So it just like jumped right back into, into position. And I just went over and I was like, God damn it. And taped it all up. And so like, yeah, you know, I'm all back. That was just this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, that all happened in about seven minutes. Um, yeah, I got a, yeah, I got exactly. a, it was, I have a big toe that, um, you know, you would think you'd stub it on a mat or it gets caught underneath you or whatever. But we were rolling the other day. It was on a gi day. And somehow my big toe, like, went into somebody's pant leg. Oh, yeah. And then, time. yeah. And then they rolled. And it's like I basically gave my toe, um, <laughs> like, a collar choke. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was, like, of the bow and arrow variety where it was just kind of quick and violent. And I was like, oh, oh, my yeah. toe, my toe, you know. And the guy's like, what? Right, your toe? Right. Like, what are you saying? I'm like, tap, 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 tap. I got to get my toe out, you know? I thought I was going to get my right, toe ripped right. off. So yeah, there's, there's exactly, just weird man. stuff. But, yeah, man, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And and uh, like I said, I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, I'm noticing, like, now I can go back-to-back five-minute rolls, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but, okay, here's a question, though. Every day if we're flow rolling mm -hmm. and the coach is like, all right, we're just going like 60, 70%. That's like, 
to me, I can't go that speed. Mm-hmm. It, so I totally it get just what you're feels saying. like it feels like I'm doing this and it doesn't even seem natural. So what ends up happening is that for the first 30 seconds, we're going 70%. And then by the four minute mark, you know, you're full on 105%. Right. So <laughs> I, I totally get what you're, I totally get what you're saying. And like a lot of times if I'm going to go like that 50, 60% or whatever it is, I'll do that in like positional semi live rounds where it's like, so like, for example, yesterday was leg lock class. And so we were, my buddy Jason and I were partnered together and Tim coach had us kind of doing like these uh, leg entanglement positions where he was like, all right, you know, I want you both to go about 60% bottom guy, mm-hmm. you know, Ashigrami position, but don't go for the, don't go for the submission. Just go for control and try to break the person down to their hip and person's like standing with your leg entangled. You want yeah. to try to escape, but you're not trying to violently escape. You're just trying to make sure you're not getting yeah. blocked down to your hip. And if you do get back up and that way, there's a battle there like that. And so I'm okay, like doing it that way. So I struggle to do real flow rounds. And this is the reason why it's like, I was talking to like my buddy, Dave, he's a black belt and I've watched like a couple like high level guys flow roll at the gym before. And I've talked to actually my coach about it. And he was like, it's hard for people who don't have a lot of experience to flow roll. He's like, cause you have to know what the right reaction is for the look that the person that you're rolling with has given you. And they have to know what reaction you gave them and know what the, what reaction you should give them back. That way he's like, cause when you have two high level people kind of flow rolling, he's like, it should not stop. It's just like, they're moving from one technique to the next, to the next, to the next. He's like, yeah. and for lower belts, he's like, it's hard to flow roll. He's like, because you just don't have that mental Rolodex yet to know what the guy's yeah. going to do next. Like I did this, so he's going to do this and then I'll be able to do this. And like, you're just playing like a step or two ahead of each other. That way you can kind of keep the flow going. And so it's like, I've yeah. stopped even trying to flow roll. I'll do that like lesser roll or flow roll, if you will, like in positional kind of sparring, if you will, you know what I mean? That way that, it's like, we're getting something out of it, but it's yeah. not 110%. And that makes sense uh, a lot more now that you kind of explain it that way. Cause to me, it almost looks like everything's getting telegraphed. And but I have watched, yeah. you know, some of our upper level guys. Um, it looks like synchronized swimming. I'm like, oh, oh man, I was like, it. I was yeah. like, it almost looks like, uh, it almost looks like contemporary dance. I'm like, it's almost yeah. beautiful, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah that, but then that's when, where the when art, I that's, that's where the yeah, art when I when I do in. it, it's yeah. horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. It looks like I'm trying to molest somebody is what it looks like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's awful. It, it looks it looks like that monkey in the football scenario, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. Nice. Well, man, but, let's uh, let's dive into a little bit of hunting. Yeah. We've talked everything but hunting here, dude. So you just got back. Well, I shouldn't say you just got back. You've had two trips, I think, since you and I spoke. One mm-hmm. was to Spain yep. and one was most re- recently you went back to South Africa. So let's start with the Spain one because that was a brand new one. So how, how did that even yeah. come about? And I was like... I don't even know. I mean, I know, you know, you can hunt stags in certain places and stuff like that, but I wasn't sure like how open hunting was uh, over the pond, if you will, only because historically it's been like a, you know, an aristocrat kind of endeavor, if you will. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I had a contact out in Idaho that was going to Spain and had mentioned that there, you know, uh, somebody backed out. And so I could take mm. their spot if I was interested. And I'm like, Spain, I don't like, what are we doing? Like mainland Spain? He's like, no, no, it's actually the, 
uh, Balearic Islands. So there's three islands, mm. and Mallorca actually translates to the Big Island, and um, so we're talking on the complete east side, you know, of Spain, uh, over in the water. But um, anyways, um, I, 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 I googled pictures of Balearian goats, and it's the only place in the country that you can go hunt these goats on the mm. island. And then when I got there, it actually got even more interesting because you hunt with a government official. And I mean, this official, he even has like the, the armband and all this kind of stuff, you know. But uh, what they have is it's kind of interesting. So they have an 80-20 rule there. Uh, what, it ha- what, it, what it happened was is uh, the locals had a bunch of ag goats and they just released them. Um, just didn't want to care for them anymore. So what happened was the ag goats started breeding with the purebred goats. And, you know, by design, sometimes, you know, with like, say, dogs, you mix breed dogs, usually mutts will live to be 20 years old. And the purebred dogs, you know, die at 10 years old. Have all the defects. Yeah. But yeah, but so on on that side, it created a lot of problems. Um, So what they said is they, hey, we want to have our purebred goats protected. So we're going to open up some hunting. And we want to shoot some hybrid goats. So, um, and to make sure that at least or less than twenty percent of their population is hybrids is that's their that's their goal that's is to make goal. sure it never crosses that. So, yeah, man, went over there. We had a couple of days. It was supposed to be four days of hunting. It turned into two days of hunting and two days of sightseeing. Um, you know, had a blast. Shot uh, shot three goats. Shot one hybrid. Um, shot one purebred female that uh, mm-hmm. we've estimated to be 13 years old, which is wow. really cool. Um, that's kind of been my new thing is like targeting as old as I possibly can, you know. Right. Um, and then I did shoot one really nice Valyrian uh, ram, you know, male. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, had a blast over there. It was uh, it was all 22, 250. It was all rifle. Mm. Um, like I said, we had two days to hunt or it was really like a day and a half. So, um, short period of time, but man, had a, had an absolute blast over there and it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and, uh, I flew back in from that. And then that's when I started the total archery challenge tour, did, uh, did PA, then did Michigan and got to do some, uh, uh, I actually went fly fishing at a stream right across the street from Williams Grove Speedway. Oh, nice. Uh, They're there in PA. Yeah. Yeah. Dirt track. So, yep. Yep. So that was pretty cool. Um, met up with my buddy Kobe and rise fishing company and, yep. uh, we jumped on some water there and fished, fished for a day and caught some trout and, um, nice. yeah. So nice little, nice little jaunt, man. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what's up. The, uh, yeah, it was hunting, fun. It was expensive. With, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I was going to ask like yeah. how hunting with the, uh, the government official was. Cause like someone who's not ever done that before, you know, yeah. Like, in PA or Iowa or whatever, like they're thinking like, man, I got to go hunt with a game warden. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, someone's yeah. listening to this thinking that like, I'll be damned if I'm going to hunt with a game warden, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah. And I even said it in the episode. I'm like, typically if you, if you end up uh, having a um, conservation official show up on your hunt, it's a bad thing, right. <laughs> you know, like, right. Right. Oh, yeah. John, John, Johnny green jeans coming after you. But, um, <laughs> but like, that was pretty cool um, that they have officials. And, you know, and I talked about it again in that episode, conservation has a lot of faces. And what we know is the North American conservation model 
But other countries have their own conservation model. And although it's different from ours, from look, from the outside looking in, it's real easy to look at it and go, oh, well, that's, that's just trophy hunting. Oh, I don't know. Because if they're trying to eliminate the hybrids and protect the purity of the purebred Valerian goats, like, that's kind of cool. You right. know what I mean? Because they know that the purebred goats have that genetic vigor to survive on that island and that's what they want to protect um so you get a bunch of crossbreeding that comes in and then you know you've got animals that are susceptible to you know disease and you know that kind of stuff so is it a bad conservation model you know it's just different right it's so, just different yeah yep. yeah i kind of i kind of view it similarly to how to how we kind of view pigs here right? yeah because mm-hmm they basically like came about because people just left them out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, if I'm not mistaken, I think at one point, like they were domesticated pigs that were just left out that turned feral essentially. Feral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so now it's like basically, you know, anywhere there's a large population of pigs, I mean, it's pretty much open season on them. Like get rid of as many as you can because they, re- yep. they reproduce like crazy. Right. And they will just oh. decimate a landscape and you're yeah. in the animals that typically live in those areas. They, like for example, yeah. they, they compete, at least what I understand, they compete for the same food sources and resources as whitetail do, you know? And yeah, so yeah. if you have a lot of pigs in an area, uh, it's going to hurt the the whitetail population, right, in that area yeah. for obvious reasons, right? So, yep. yeah, to me, it's it's interesting. Like, conservation has a lot of different faces. They're just trying to do the job of managing things, right. you know, and, and have make sure the things that are supposed to be there and thriving have the opportunity to thrive. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um then, you know, came back home, had a little bit of time, um, and then, you know, yeah, so South Africa, you know, just came back from, uh, just got back in town from South Africa about five, I think five days ago. Um, finally starting to feel normal on the time, the time schedule flip-flop, you know, because where I was <laughs> right, at right. was seven hours, yeah, se- seven hours ahead of central time, so um it's not too much of a problem going there. It's coming home that it takes me a couple of days to, to get reacclimated and, you know, settle back in. But, you know, Africa is the same thing. You know, when I went out there two years ago, the idea was, man, I've talked a lot of shit about trophy hunting in Africa for somebody who's never been there. And right. I thought maybe I should go there and check it out. Right. And I went there and, you know, you sit down and you talk with the guides and the landowners and again, it, their conservation model has a different face. And mm-hmm. you start learning about the, a lot of the animals there were almost extinct um, mm-hmm. from poaching and trophy hunting in South Africa 200 years ago. Then you look at the way the government has changed things and they said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to set mandates on the fences that you have to put. It's got to be an eight foot tall fence. It's got to be 21 strand. I mean, it's very specific as to how it Hmm. has to be, you know, erected. Um, But if you're willing to put up these fences, then the animals are yours. Hmm. So they kind of like deputized the landowners in a way to keep the poaching down because, you know, what happens is you have people say rhinos, for example, that's, that's an easy one. Uh, Poachers come in, and they poach the rhinos, and they're not taking the meat. They're just poaching them to cut the mm-hmm. horn off, and that's it. And um, mm-hmm. so what's what's happening now is landowners are taking their rhinos, they're tranking them, and just cutting the horn off. 
because mm-hmm. they don't really need the science has determined that they don't actually need the horn for for defense. Um, right. But if they don't have a horn, then the poacher it has no value to the poachers, and then the poachers won't kill them senselessly. You know what I mean? Right. And just want and want and waste. Right. You know, and let them rot. So, um, that was pretty cool. Another way of looking at it too is I've, I use this as my go to analogy. If you had a gallon of milk in your fridge and your local Wegmans or whatever sheets or whatever, if you couldn't go buy another gallon of milk for three weeks, you're going to ration the shit out of that gallon of milk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So because the animals are owned by the landowners, it has a value. Now mm-hmm. it's easy to look at that and say, ah, oh, you put a, you put a price on that animal, you know, it's trophy hunting, but hear me out. Because I let's say I have a male and a female, I'm not going to let somebody come and kill those two animals. I need those animals to breed, mm-hmm. and then I've got to wait for those young animals to grow up a little bit, so then they can start producing. Okay, now we can hunt one or two of them. Right. But I'm never <laughs> going to eliminate my breeding pair because it's a it's it's not a renewable resource. If you kill it off, you don't have right. any more. So. By putting a monetary value on it and making it a business, um, they've actually, it protects them and they mm-hmm. don't overhunt. And of course, they only want you to kill the oldest one. You know what I mean? They don't want you to kill yep. the young ones that are producing. So like this year, the Gimsbach uh, that I shot, which is the black and white one that had the big like needle horns. Yeah. Um, we're estimating that she was essentially 12 to 14 years old. And right now, the Gimsbach females should be pregnant, and she was not pregnant, which tells us that she's she's dry. You know, she's past her prime. prime. Yeah, she can't even produce anymore. So, I don't care what anybody says. Like, come at me, bro. With that wasn't being selective. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And then what was the other you you what was the other one you got? Um, I shot two wildebeest when I was there. Yeah. How was that? And I'll put. Dude, I'll put it this way. If I had a freezer full of Wagyu beef and somebody brought me a fresh wildebeest in processed mm-hmm. and I've got to make it a choice, I'm pitching my Wagyu beef. Really? Yeah. It was that good? Yeah. Yeah. Wildebeest is phenomenal. It's the best meat I've ever had. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. How, was, how, was hunting, how was hunting that? So I, I, the first one I shot with a bow out of a blind. Um you know, on a water hole situation. They're not, they're not friendly. They're not friendly. Um, so they call them the poor man's Cape Buffalo. Cause okay. they're essentially kind they're kind of the same. They're a herd animal. Uh, you know, they have the big horns, you know what I mean? Kind of very, mm-hmm. you know, similar, um, not quite as mean as a Cape Buffalo, but, um, <laughs> but I shot the first one with a, uh, with a bow and the second one I shot with a rifle. The second one we actually hunted a different location and we did a spot and stock with the rifle, you know, belly crawling, knee crawling. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was a lot of fun, you know, nice. because they, they, they wind you like a whitetail. You know, you got to stay low and you got to keep, as the wind was shifting, we were doing the same thing that we do with a lot of our uh, animals, you know, with, our, with a lot of our mule deer or elk or whatever, you know. So that was cool. Um, I did, like I said, I shot the Gimsbach and I shot another Impala. Um, you know, I have a 63 Impala tattooed across my back. So I, I love Impalas, but, um, 
And then Leslie, Leslie shot uh, a kudu. You know, I shot mm-hmm. one last year and she kind of fell in love with kudus and stuff. And so she had an opportunity to take one and we estimated hers to be like 12 years old. Uh, wow. She shot a really, really old kudu bull, uh, which I was proud of her um, for taking that. And then she shot an ostrich. Oh, that's cool. um, yep. Yep. And uh, what else did she shoot? Uh, she shot, she wanted to shoot a warthog last year. She didn't. And she shot a warthog this year. Nice. Um, so that was pretty cool. So I think I ended up shooting five animals. She shot three. Um, the episodes are working out to be four and four. So mm-hmm. it's really cool. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm anxious for these Man. episodes to come out. Nice. What, what's the logistics of like getting that stuff back or like mounts and stuff like, cause I know the meat has yeah. to stay right. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. You eat as much as you can. Um, regulations don't allow you to export the meat yet. I'm hoping someday that changes, but, um, so you, all of the outfitters, you know, they, they know that you're not local. So they know that there's going to mm-hmm. be some problems with logistics, trying to figure it out on your end. So they work with a lot of tanneries. Um, because mm-hmm. I have a good taxidermist, you know, old barn taxidermy here in Iowa that I work with, I do what's called dip and ship. So essentially they're just tanning the hide, you know, in a salt sodium base to set the hide. And once it fully cures and dries, then they crate it up and then they ship it. So the tannery, uh, works with a shipper, with an exporter. And, uh, you know, they build a custom box, you know, wood box crate and like, so I just, a week and a half ago, I got an email from the tannery from last year's hunt mm. and said, hey, we got everything created up and we're ready to ship all your stuff. So all the animals that I shot last year, all the animals that Leslie shot last year, and then my camera guy, Drew, that was with us last year, he shot a zebra. Nothing's mounted. It's all just skulls, horns, and hides, capes. Um, it's going to cost us two grand to get shipped okay. from South Africa. So, you know, we'll split the bill three ways, you know? And, right. uh, so it won't, it's not, I mean, it's not great, but it's not horribly hateful, right. you know? Right. It's not as bad as it could, as you would, as someone might think. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and that's yeah. one of the things about Africa too is, so, you know, I'm going to be putting together a couple of packages with some dates um, I'm going to work with these outfitters and we're going to pick some, pick some dates, pick some packages that, you know, myself and primal divide are going to kind of co-endorse, uh, cause these are places that I've been to and I've vetted. Um, but when you look at Africa, uh, it's a lot more affordable than what people think. And for the reasons being, let's say you and I decide we're going to go to Africa next year and we book our flights, we pay for our flight. Flight, mm-hmm. if we were to book it now, we could probably get a deal at like eleven, twelve hundred dollars round trip. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna pay that now. Then we go on the hunt and let's say we drop three or four grand. And for three or four grand, you can shoot three or four animals mm-hmm. while you're over there. An impala, maybe a wildebeest, you know, no cape buffaloes, <laughs> no lions. Right, right. But at that money, we can shoot some cool shit, right? Mm-hmm. And have a great time. And we're going to pay that three or four grand when we get there. And then a year later, you're going to pay a grand to get Mm -hmm. your hides shipped back. Now they're at your taxidermist. And then about a year later, 
when your taxidermist is done, then he's going to hit you, you know, with the taxidermy bill. So when you look at the entire hunt and you get to spread it out over like two and a half, three years. Right. Um, yeah. So it, it makes it a lot more affordable than people think. And, you know, it's a, maybe it is a once in a lifetime opportunity, uh, but I right. encourage everybody to go see it one time. It'll change your perception on so-called trophy hunting. Right. right. Um, the so that that part was really cool to see. The food is amazing. Their ketchup is better than our ketchup. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm allergic to bread, but when I'm there. I eat loaves of bread every day and not one single problem. So wow. am I allergic to gluten or am I uh, allergic to American processed crap? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. The uh, Man, I have a – there's something in the back of my mind that makes me want to go. And part of it is is just looking at, like, the the photography, like whenever you oh, take pictures and you post it. It's gorgeous. Like it's like – it's just unreal. It's like the stuff you see in movies. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, an, I just want to, I just want to see that, that and you, like you got, I don't remember if you were close enough last year, but like you had some encounters or close enough, at least to take some pictures of some cats this year. Right. Yeah. So the blind that I shot my first wildebeest out of, there was a leopard that actually came in mm-hmm. and we had a stealth cam uh, picture of it just the, the morning before. And I was like, Oh, and it was a big leopard. Um, and then yeah, this that, year, that it's crazy. I was I mean, going to say that, that that'll make you, crazy. that'll make you sit up straight, won't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then in the second episode, there's going to be a, there's going to be a, a section where we went to this photographic, what do they call it? Uh, it's like a photographic tour, safari kind of thing. Okay. Now, yeah. it's not the zoo style where you're driving through uh, the truck or Jurassic Park where the truck's on the rail and you just kind of keep cruising. We drove within 10 feet of lions. Oh, and damn. we actually pulled up on a fresh lion kill. So, fun fact, uh, people might not know this, the female lioness, the mom, the wife, She's the one that does all the hunting. I did know so, that actually, and I I think I actually learned that maybe from uh, I don't know one of those like kids movies. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. I was waiting for you to say yeah. I learned about that when I was like five, dumbass. Um, right. No. <laughs> no, so it took me that was like forty to learn it, but I learned it from a kids movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So the the female lioness does the killing, and then the male. He comes in like, thanks, dinner served. And then he comes in and eats his portion, but he's lazy. So he eats a little bit and then he goes 20 yards away and lays down in the shade, takes him a little siesta. And then the cubs come in and then they get their little piece. Um, So we pulled up next to this kill and the cubs were there eating. And then all of a sudden you hear this sound and I'm like, oh my God, what is that? It sounds like something out of Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. And this big lion comes charging in and is like roaring in the face of these cubs. They go batshit crazy, scared to death. They scatter. And then he just lays down and starts gnawing on this animal. 
you know, while he was napping, they tried to go in there and get their piece. And then he wakes up like, whoa, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, dude. And how, uh, I've got I've got footage of all of that at like 20 feet away. Dude, that's crazy. Is he, does he like just not care that there's like a vehicle nearby there? Like, is he? No, no, no they, um, you know, they do those tours constantly. And there's two mm-hmm. tracks that they stay on. Mm-hmm. Um, I did ask the question. I'm like, is there ever been like a rogue <laughs> attack or whatever right and i do remember our our tour guide he tried convincing me that cheetahs um are not a fear for man and i'm like i was about to say how about you jump out and take a lap around this jungle next to that cheetah let me see what happens yeah yeah i'm pretty sure you're gonna look like food you know yeah <laughs> like i'm slow, like slow food <laughs> yeah and then we went to this we went to another place that was a uh it was a protected like a captive place for lions like injured lions you know they Mm -hmm. bring them in and make sure they're rehabbed before they release so they were in smaller pens and cages basically kind of like you know typically you know like a zoo type situation right and i go walking past it and one of our guides he goes walking past it we had one of our trackers that was with us he went walking past it it was this white lion gorgeous Hmm. just beautiful creature freaky freaky eyes and then leslie comes bringing up the rear and it stands up and starts following leslie at the fence and she's like see wild animals love me and i went no you're five foot tall he's looking at you that you're the easiest target right now you know what i mean right right yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah and then he took a swat at me i mean granted there was a fence in between us but i was getting the camera really close to the fence trying to take some cool pictures and he charged in and took a SWAT, and I was like, "Oh, I'm good. out! I'm yeah. out! I got to change my drawers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want man. none of that smoke at all. <laughs> none. No, no, no. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu hasn't prepared you for that. Like, <laughs> no, no. I was like, I was like, man, I don't know what that was, but I don't want any of that. But right. no, so it's right. it's a cool experience. I mean, really, the worst part about it is probably the 15 hour flight there and back. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I caught up on some sleep, watched some movies. Yeah. Airplane nice. food's not horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It could be worse, you know, first world yeah. problems. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, all right, man. So let's transition now to, to, to yep. whitetails. We got whitetails mm-hmm. coming up. I open here as you and I are sitting here talking in like three weeks is when, when my stuff officially opens, mm-hmm. um, here in the, the, the special regs unit. But, uh, yep. what are your plans for, uh, for this season, where are all you hunting? Like what, what states you're going to be hitting? What species you hunting? Like what's the game plan? Be uh, So I'm going to be heading down to Kentucky in a couple days. I need to hang some stands uh, down there. I've got an area that's uh, already kind of been pre-scouted by one of my buddies um, on his farm. So need to get down there and hang some sets. Season starts there September 2nd this year. And um, then after that, come home transition over i'll be heading to colorado mule deer and if i've got enough time then i'm going to look at the possibilities of an over-the-counter you know elk tag um nice and then uh let's see then after that i come home and all of these hunts are like four day there's like four day break in between but then i'll come home and then i'll actually be coming out to the great state of pa october 1st time frame Yep, uh, I'll be hunting up around that St. Mary area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, as soon as I 
as soon as I wave the white flag or I tag out, uh, whichever one happens first, and then I'll work my way back to Southern Ohio. Leslie has a lease down there, and so oh, I'm gonna nice. get behind the I'm gonna get behind the camera and see if I can film her first archery uh, whitetail nice. hunt. Um, and then I told her I was like, load up with doe tags, you know, as well. Don't just don't just do any right. sex tag because you know you you need to see arrows go in. You know what I mean? Like, let's see yeah. if we can get you yeah. a couple of kills this season. And we'll yeah. have a ton of coolers, so, you know, we there's not a problem. Grizzly will make sure that I've got a ton of coolers to get meat back home. But um, right. then after after that, then I'll head back to Iowa and start prep, you know, start getting things going here. You know, because yeah. Iowa season doesn't open till October 1st, I'm not, I've never been a big fan of, uh, post hard horn 85 degree hunts right deer just don't <laughs> seem to want to cooperate you know what i mean i yeah. love early season yeah. patternable velvet bucks um you know and, and if our season opened up september 1st here I, i'd i'd be here september 1st but because it doesn't right. open till october 1st those first two weeks aren't that important to me and then as you and i've talked about on several podcasts uh, yeah. I don't know if it makes me a fair weather hunter, but I don't really think about Iowa whitetails until the first cold front of October. Right. Yeah. And I don't think it makes you fair weather, man. I think you've been in that area long enough now and you've hunted specifically like the one parcel, you know, but just in that mm -hmm. general area, you know, where you, where you hunt that you kind of yep. know like how those properties that you're, that you're working, how they operate, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, when no the need best time, to booger up when's the stuff. best time to spend time. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, if, you, if you're just going to do, do damage, you stay out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. just all that, that's all there is to it. And, and you've watched it long enough. You have some dates kind of earmarked, man, that you've found that you either found success or that you've seen mm -hmm. like bananas activity, you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, that October 26th, October through 26th to 28th, man, if I can get a, even a 20 degree cold front in that time frame, dude, it's bananas. I mean, it's almost like a yeah. mini rut. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And then you have like, and then you have the, the date in November that, you know, like the couple day window that you always historically every year, it's like this three day window is going to be fire. Yep. I've killed, you know, I've been you know. here seven, seven years. And I've killed four of my whitetails in the same 48 hour block. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so as far it's as like, like and, and none, of, and none of them were at the first week of October. No, it's like, well, <laughs> I could just wait till November 8th and then climb a stand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right. So right. it's, it's weird. Yeah, what, I mean, uh, go ahead. Like, well, like November 7th, November 8th, I mean, those are notoriously, those have been, that's the, that's the kickoff, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember when I first moved here, a buddy of mine, Ryan Iberg, um, he used to film for Dan Johnson years ago. And, and yep. Ryan, he was like, dude, he goes, I'm telling you, when you're out there, you could be, you could be sitting the same stand on November 6th and not see a single deer. And then on November 7th, it's like somebody took like a set of, like dice and just and fireworks 
You know what I mean? Nah. He's like, it right. all, you know, you see, you don't see a single deer of any sex one day, and then you see 29 deer, and 14 of them are bucks run underneath right. your stand the next day. And I'm like, you're full of yeah. shit. Uh, it happens. You know, it's pretty crazy. It happens, <laughs> right? Yeah. What uh, yeah. what do you have for targets, man? You got some prospects this year. Yeah, you know, last year, um, I didn't have any good deer on my lease. Really, I haven't had any good deer for about two years. Um, hmm. but last year there was one buck that you ever have those deer that you're like you're asking for it. I mean, you're like begging to get shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I held true. It was hard. Cause I'm a Kentucky hillbilly at heart and it was hard, right. but I kept letting this like 145 go 145, you know? And I'm like, Oh man, I was like, but he's cool looking, you know, he's a cool deer. And I was like, how old is he? Is he four? You know? Um, but I, I ended up passing him and, um, he has shown back up. Um, and it looks like he's turned into like a 160. Uh, he went nice. from an eight to a nine. Um, and you know, one sixty nine, you know, nine, nine point. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a big, big deer, deer, dude. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm not one of those people. Like I don't want ever for anybody to have a misconception that I'm a, ah, uh, I'm a, I'm a seven year old, 200 inch hunter. No, not me, dude. Right. You give me a good bow buck at one fifty. I'm excited. I love it. As long as he's mature, call it you know, four, yeah. yeah, four plus, I'm going to do everything I can to put an arrow in him. you know? Um, uh, right. and maybe at some point in my life, I'll get to that point where I'm, you know, I'm fortunate enough to target one eighties. Uh, but that's just mm -hmm. not me, man. Like I, I don't have, that's just not fun for me. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, man, it's that, my tag. Oh, damn it. I'll shoot what I want. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What a, that 169 point though is a, is a hammer dude. I remember yeah. whenever I came out to Iowa, mm -hmm. you had on camera and I saw him one time from like afar, yep. just like a fleeting moment. And it was like, uh -huh. I realized what deer it was like, like it was so windy and I'll tell what happened, but you had a 168 inch, like legitimate. You told me before I got out there, you're like, Clint, I have a 160 inch eight point on camera in this yeah. area that you and I scouted together and we shed hunted and stuff. Yeah. And you were like, he is a, a giant. And so I got out there and you showed me the trail camera picture and he was just yeah. a freaking stud. And I was like, never in a million years was, would I see that deer. Well, uh -huh. I was in that set, whatever yeah. it was, like the third day I was there maybe. And I just caught the gl glistening off of an antler and looked and it was super windy that day. And it was at 160 inch eight point. It was like, yeah, possibly the biggest frame I'd ever seen yeah. in my life, like in, in the woods. Cause on that same trip in that, uh, one CRP foot, I kicked up like that roughly like a hundred, well, he's a Boone across yeah. whatever he was. He was yeah. a big deer. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and this, that, that eight point had a bigger frame than that Boone and Crockett deer that I saw. Like oh, it yeah. was just stupid how big that deer's frame is, man. So like this uh, 160 inch nine point, like that's a, that's a stupid big deer. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge. So I hope that I see him, um, there was a deer that I never saw him with the naked eye last year, but I had a couple of trail camera pictures of him early. So I can't get my hopes up because, mm -hmm. you know, is it going to be the same as last year? He goes hard horn and then he disappears again. But, um, right. I did see, uh, I do have a lot of pictures of him. Um, and then 
I have not seen trail cameras or in person, but one of my buddies was out on a drive the other day and he knows where my lease mm-hmm. is and he helps me do some food plot work out there. And as soon as he got back to phone service, he calls me and he's like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? I'm like, are you all right? And he goes, I was out there by your lease. Holy shit. And I'm like, what? He's like, big? He's like, oh my God. He's like, dude, big. Like, I'm like, we talking 160? And he laughs. And I was like, we talking like 180? And he's like, at least. And I was Dang, like, dude. oh, and he shot a 193 uh, last year. So, okay, so he knows what he, he, he knows what a big deer looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, last year I ended up hunting a lot of his farm um, and I knew that I didn't have anything big. Um, mm-hmm. I hunted my place maybe 10 days through October and early November until about November mm-hmm. 5th, November. No. Yeah. November 5th. And I'm like, dude, you know, like. I'm going to leave cameras soaking, but I'm going to jump off of here and I'm going to go take up his offer to go hunt his place because I just didn't have anything. And I said, you know what? Let's just let this farm sit this year. I've got it leased up. Other than the, other than my trespassers that get to hunt there for free uh, on my back, right. um, nobody else will be hunting it other than the three or four people that are going to sneak on every year, you know? I'm, right, and so, right. I, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm such a nice guy. I might run for city council. Um, being that I let everybody have right. my lease, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's kind of kind of a shit show. But the uh, my lease is actually is for sale right now. Oh wow! Um, so it's still on the market right now. So as of right now, I still got a place to hunt. But you know, should that property get sold, I mean, I might not. You know, at any time, I'm I'm 30 days away from not having a place to hunt. Right. So yeah, kind of worried about that. I. My buddy with a big tractor, I've got him on standby. I'm like, hey, if it goes under contract, we've got 30 days to get, you know, blinds off and, you know, stands out right. and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So I'll be super bummed. But, uh, you know, and it, I saw a post the other day and it was kind of a comedy thing about what it's like trying to door knock for permission. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, that's been a hot topic on podcasts. It's been a hot topic for content mm-hmm. about how to get permission to hunt properties, how to door knock. I mean, I, hell, I think Kenyon made a, a one-year career out of it. You know what I mean? Right. And that, and that used to be valuable information. Disclaimer. That shit don't work anymore, people. <laughs> it's, it's getting right. harder <laughs> and harder to find places to hunt. I mean, because... Mm-hmm. And I, this is not me throwing shade at people trying to get permission to hunt in, in likeness to like how the hunting public gets some shade thrown at them because they've blown up right. public hunting spots. I, that's not where I'm going with this. It's just, but I am simply stating that the more that people get information like, oh, you can go knock on doors and get permission and more people do it. And it's just there's just less and less property out Inherently, there. The, those who are willing to give someone access, you know, if they are hit up, it's they likely have already given out access at that point, and so then there are fewer. It, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a yep. numbers it's a numbers game. You know, it's like especially whenever so many places are getting are getting yep. built up and like you know urban sprawl and and all yep. that stuff. I mean, you can sometimes have a little bit of success like around where I live. Like truth be told, it's like I've never gone and knocked on any doors around around here. 
um, a buddy of mine has, and he he had a really good in because his family was mm-hmm. like a very valuable member of the church and stuff like that. And like they had a lot of contacts through that. And so landowners that were part of the church, you know, would give him, you know, you know, yeah. access, you know, because he knew them. He had a relationship with them, you know what I mean? But like if you're just cold going up straight, cold knocking, like that's a hard sell, man. Yeah. Yep. You know. Yep. Exactly. But. It and it's like I said. I mean, it's not. It's not a situation. You know. And I'm not. I'm not hating on people for doing it. I mean, hell, I'm trying to do it myself. You know what I mean? I just. Right. I haven't had any success. Um, it it is yeah. harder. You know, when you're not native to an area and people don't know mm-hmm. you as much. Like when I moved here, it's not that I'm antisocial. I just you know, kind of keep to myself. That's my personality. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My friends are my friends and, you know, yep. uh, we're not members of the church, local church. And, you know, we didn't grow up here and I don't have any aunts and uncles to help introduce my last name anywhere. So it has gotten right. tougher. And, you know, for example, there was a farm that just sold uh, here a few months back that, I mean, it was like a thousand acre piece and some people were able to hunt that. And, you know, one guy buys it, and that's it. So now those three or four people, now they're displaced. So now those right. are three or four more door knockers or people that right. are securing up another available possible lease. So we see it all the time. Um, and, I mean, every year it's just getting harder and harder. And then land value prices in Iowa have gone through the roof. I don't know that I'll ever be able to afford to buy anything, you know, short of winning the lottery. So, right, yeah. Um you know, I yeah, don't know, I, man. I, I had looked at la- I had looked at land out there for shits and giggles. Like, oh, you and I talked about it, you know. And I I was kind of like poking around looking, and I was just like, yeah, man. I was like, the land prices out there are just bananas. If I was smart when I moved out here seven years ago, which I always think is funny, um, when like I remember like Rogan made a comment on there. He's like, my buddy John Dudley, this guy is the craziest deer hunter I've ever met in my life. He uprooted his life and moved to Iowa to hunt deer. I'm like, I did it before Dudley did it. You know, it's, right. it's nothing new. It's nothing new, Joe, you know? Um, right. But like, if I was smart, uh, and obviously I wasn't, when I moved here seven years ago, what I would have done is I would have bought a $50,000 house and every dime I had, I would have bought land with. Because the land has gone up like 38% since I've lived here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I was stupid and I bought the big house and you know, yeah. that didn't work yeah. out so well. Yeah, now you're here talking to me. Here you go. <laughs> I, I'm, in, I'm, in my ba- I'm in my basement slumming it with Clint Campbell on a podcast. That's right, man. We'll slum it together, brother. But, uh, dude, yep. we've been rapping here for, like, almost an hour and 20 minutes. I want to be sensitive okay. to your time. I know, you're, I know you're editing. You got a lot of editing to do and shit like that. But I wanted to, uh, I wanted to catch up with you because it's been a while and uh, we hadn't had a chance to catch up. So it was good to see yep. your face. Before you get out of here, yeah. though. Let folks yeah. know where they can watch all the episodes, keep up with what you got going on. Yeah, please. Um, people don't understand how important it is for, for us to do what we do and how critical it is. Uh, social media, Meta, Zuckerberg, and the gang, they love to suppress all of our stuff that involves hunting or guns and stuff like that. So um, if you're so kind as to give me a follow on Instagram, it's johnny.utah.hunt. Maybe occasionally even hit the like button. You don't have to be weird about it and just follow, but never <laughs> engage. Uh, that would be right. super cool. And then the, my show is called Primal Divide. 
Um, you can find it on the Waypoint channel, which the Waypoint channel is a native channel on like 11 different streaming services. Um, Tubi, Sling, uh, Pluto, uh, Vizio, Samsung TV. There's a ton of other places um, that you can you can watch uh, live or just go to the Waypoint app and you can watch everything on demand. So that stuff is super, super important to myself and I know it's important to Clint mm-hmm. that allows us to keep doing what we do. Uh, I mean, if you like me, if you don't, then I guess, you know. <laughs> Right. There, go watch there cat. Go. go watch cat videos then. <laughs> right. Karen. Awesome, brother. I appreciate you coming on, man, and uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you soon. And uh, good luck in Kentucky. And uh, I look forward to a, an excited call from the uh, from the Bluegrass State. Dude, thank you very much. I appreciate it, man. And like I said, thanks for having me on here. Uh, Clint's a Clint's a rad ass dude, and he's got a good podcast with a ton of uh, varying information. So you guys are in a good awesome. place. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Genesee Beer. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.